We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. going on everybody welcome to pro football focus show here on roto grinders week three edition i am your loyal host over the years Britt divine here with daniel kelly uh daniel fun week two uh better than week one for me and uh, i'm looking to carry some momentum into week three and uh this week with all the injuries is shaping up to what's gonna be a very very fun dfs week i think it's going to be fascinating. We're going to have all sorts of names that nobody's talked about in months or years or ever, and we're going to have to be figuring out which one of those to dive in on. Yeah, game of the century too, right? Ravens, Chiefs, uh, a whole lot of fun <laughs> stuff going in in DFS. But one of the things we're going to do on this show first is we're going to look a little bit back at what happened in week two and see if there's anything we can take out of, maybe even some week one stuff as well here. You look at this at your article on PFF every week, and you wanted to lead this off by talking about the Buccaneers, maybe not in the way everybody's thinking about on the offensive side. You're, you're a little more hitting on them uh, from the defensive angle. So let's see what we learned in week two about them. Yeah, so the Buccaneers so far have played San Francisco. Who, they don't have one big running back, but they, that has a good backfield, and they've played Carolina. So that is Christian McCaffrey. And that's two good run teams that they have allowed on 53 total touches. That's uh, receptions and carries 184 yards and no touchdowns. That's not much. Those same two backfields in their other games have 71 touches, 538 yards and six touchdowns. So it's too early to say Tampa has a strong run defense yet, but at least I'm paying attention to him. And if they can shut down Saquon Barkley in week three, we're really going to have something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Are you telling me not to use Baquan this week? Because I mean, I'm, I'm a little I down think... on him. I'm a little down. <laughs> well, we'll have to see on that one. Cause I think Saquon's going to carry some ownership, but there's a couple of really good running backs, including 
uh, Christian McCaffrey, you just mentioned a full week and a half of rest, and he looks like he's going to be the focal point of that offense this week if Cam doesn't suit up. Uh, another Absolutely. thing you want, another thing you wanted to point out is from Seattle, right? They've got this run game, uh, but Chris Carson, he's got some fumbling issues here. What have you taken away from that? And how can we kind of project what's going to happen with the running back rotation? Because if Chris Carson's going to get 75 or 80 percent of the snaps he's looking really juicy this week if he's going to get 50 percent of the snaps and get, get pulled at any time a little bit less juicy in this matchup against Pittsburgh yeah and that's what I'm worried about he uh he's played two years well he's played three years in the league two of them as, as a heavy ball carrier and he's he's had a fumbling problem uh Ezekiel had six fumbles last year Ezekiel touches the ball more than anybody in the game Carson's right behind him since the start of last year he has five carries through two games, five fumbles. Through two games this year, he has a 23.5 fumble grade on PFF. That That is as low as it reasonably can be uh, without losing your job altogether. We saw Rashad Penny almost double his playing time last week. And if Carson can't hold on to the ball a little better, I'm afraid we're going to see a 50 50 split or even worse. We could It could turn into Penny's job before too long. Yeah, there's all those, you know, Pete Carroll, right? The one thing he hates to, he'll run it on third and 10 knowing he's not going to get the first down simply because he doesn't want a turnover to the other team. He wants exactly. to run the ball and he wants to run the ball. So if you get a back that has some fumbling issues, it does raise some red flags. And it, it's really interesting this week because, you know, Seattle's a home favorite against the Saints. The Saints could have some short fields left for Seattle, right? Because it didn't look like Teddy Bridgewater had any clue what he was doing at quarterback last week. But I don't know if, if he fumbles, he's going to get pulled really quickly. And I think it might transition into more of a timeshare. Um, you know, I was looking at a couple of projection sources today and there are some very wild swings in Chris Carson's projections around the industry. Cause I think some are, are thinking maybe he gets a little bit lesser of a workload and some thinks he's back to that week one seventy five percent workload. I don't think anybody really knows. Uh, I'm kind of hoping we get some sort of leak throughout the week, but I'm not really sure we get that. The price on Carson's really nice around, uh, especially on DraftKings this week. Uh, should carry some high ownership, but just something to pay attention to into the back of your mind, that fumbling issue. The thing I want to look back on, Daniel, is the Bengals. And it, I'm not looking at John Ross, and I'm not looking at Tyler Boyd or Andy Dalton chucking for 400 yards. I'm looking at this horrific Bengals defense. I've pulled up uh, – this is from the premium stats over here on Pro Football Focus – if my computer would cooperate with me. Uh, so in the premium stats, you get the whole team grade things. And uh, I, I've circled by overall defense, the Bengals, the 31st team in total defense. Now, that would be good if there's 150 teams, but there's only 32. So when you're 31st out of 32, you're not really good on defense. That's overall. I look at their tackling grade. I don't even know if this was possible, but they've completely forgotten how to tackle by far the lowest tackling grade I think I've ever seen since I've been using PFF, even through a couple of games of 32.6. Their coverage, uh, 30th out of 32 teams, trailing only the Giants and Miami Dolphins. This is a horrific defense. We've got the Bills here. We're going to transition to talking about the Bills and something else here in a second. But if you're playing Cincinnati, your offense is rising and I think any team until further notice that goes up against the Bengals uh, is a team you really want to incorporate into your tournament teams for DFS absolutely it's uh, we have all the, the numbers on the grade sheet there I barely look at the numbers and I just like to look at the colors because <laughs> you yeah, see easy. all those 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 dark red dots next to the Bengals it's some those numbers shouldn't even be allowed to go that low I 
uh, you know, it's early yet, and the Lions have a, a 29 uh, special teams grade. So grades do go super low. But for, for any large sample, I've never seen them go as low as 32.6. And the Bengals are just sitting so far down. Yeah, so their defense, the Bills playing this week. So um, pay attention to the Bills. I think we can roll out some Josh Allen. Pay attention to the running back spot. John Brown's looking good. I'm not expecting Cole Beasley to break these 50-yard wide-open passes. That is the anti-Cole Beasley play. But uh, I think the Bills are certainly going to be in play today. Um, let's jump into a little bit of Thursday showdown because uh, people will listen to this on Thursday. If you don't fast forward about a minute, because Daniel, this Thursday game stinks to me, right? You've got a couple notes on Derrick Henry, uh, career crushing the Jaguars. Other than that, there's a lot of weather. There's some rain, there's some wind. This game could be a little, uh, dicey. You're really going to have to pay attention to weather. Um, you know, you might be able to roster both defenses and a kicker. And I think that's going to be more of a standard build where if you're trying to be contrarian in Thursday's GPPs, maybe it does shoot out. If you pick a full lineup of offense, I don't even think a lot of people will be doing that this week. So what, what are your overall takes on this game on Thursday? Yeah, there's there's not a lot exciting here. I I, I don't know if it means anything that Derrick Henry has feasted on the Jaguars. It's probably just one of those flukes. But it is interesting that he's now played 49 games in his career and three of his top six career games have come against the Jags. He averages more than twice as many PPR points against the Jags than he does not against them. His yards per carry is more than a yard ahead. And yes, that part of that is that huge game he had in week 14 last year. But even without that, he's better against them than anyone else. So if you're going for an offensive player, he's going to be a popular one, but he's at least very fascinating. But otherwise, I agree with you. It's, it's either going to be load up on defenses and try to win a 50-50 or load up on the big names and hope it's a weird outcome that nobody can expect. All right. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm not really into that game too much. Won't be playing. I like to play the, if you're on like fantasy draft or you're playing the DraftKings or even on FanDuel, the Thursday through Monday slate, I'm loving playing that this week. Cause I, I hope all the casuals, man, I got to watch that Thursday night game. They play some players from this game. I'm fading that and hopefully I can get an edge that way. So that's how I'm, I'm not playing the showdown as much playing more of the, the Thursday through Monday. Uh, I always like sports betting. It's becoming a lot more prevalent. Uh, I cashed my Cardinals plus 13 and a half. I'm, I'm giving myself a round of applause on that one. I've come back this week. I think on my lock on the sharp side contest we're doing uh, with Vegas Insider. I've got a couple of them. Uh, one is the Falcons. I got them as two-point road dogs. It looks like they're already down to one-and-a-half-point road dogs. Uh, so uh, I don't understand why the Falcons would be – underdogs I know they're on the road and they got bludgeoned in their first road game of the season but the Colts aren't anything special Brissett's been reasonable but he's not really tossing for a lot of yards I know they grind it down a little bit but the Falcons offense is explosive and uh Matt Ryan should not be a road underdog to Jacoby Brissett in my opinion so I pounced on that uh at the local sports book down the street uh green line doesn't agree with me I, I like to always look at green line to get a second opinion on pro football focus do you have any kind of thoughts on this game? First off, it makes me sad that you don't like that because I'm a Colts fan, but that's not really the point. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I get why it stresses you out. Uh, I just wonder the Colts have uh, in the last few years had a good, had sort of a Patriots-esque way of uh, shutting down team's top weapon. And so I wonder if that's going to hurt Julio Jones. Devontae Freeman hasn't gotten much going. So I can see a path to the Colts covering this, but I probably wouldn't bet the Colts. So I think if I had to bet, I'd probably go your way as well. The other one uh, I'm interested in is the Rams, uh, minus three road dog. This Browns offensive line is trash. And you're telling me that that, that Rams D-line isn't going to be able to get pressure. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be running all over Cleveland. 
Uh, I like the Rams to win this game pretty convincingly. The market is minus three. Green line has has me on the good side here. And the Rams, uh, I took this one as well. These are my two favorite games of the week. Yeah, I, I, I don't see any way the Browns cover this as long as the Rams stay healthy. Yeah, I, I'm, I really like this game. You got a couple too, and I am def- I'm on board with both. We were in complete agreements across the board. I think we got some really good games here. So tell me about that's, yours. That's so that's so boring. We need to disagree more. <laughs> um, I love. We talked about how bad the Bengals are earlier, and I, I love the Bills to cover their minus six against them. Uh, I'm I'm just hoping Devin Singletary is healthy for this game because he's he's had now ten carries in his career, and seven of them have gone for at least twelve yards. Like he. He's just busting out these long runs. And if the Bengals couldn't tackle me or you, they're not going to be able to bring him down for anything. So if Singletary's healthy and can do it, can have a full go in this game, he's going to be a monster. Don't tell the bosses, but Green Line's wrong on this one. I'm go- I'm on your side. I'm taking the minus six. Green Line has <laughs> it minus five and a half. Uh, I like the Bills in this one, too. I think a, a touchdown's pretty easy by them. The other one you got's Detroit, and I'm in agreement with this, too. Uh, I-, I wanted to bet this at minus seven. It's come in a little bit. It's minus six and a half now because – They've kind of docked the Eagles a little bit because Deshaun Jackson and Elshon Jeffrey are looking a little questionable. Uh, I like the Lions side here. That defense looked really good for the Lions, and I think their offense is going to have no problem passing against the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles are just a walking wounded at this point. And so, I mean, if, if you told me these two teams are at full strength, I'd take the Eagles going away probably. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're, we're going to be without Alshon Jeffrey, without Deshaun Jackson, probably without Dallas Goddard. We're going to be uh, – the, the line is banged up on both sides of the ball. I just think Carson Wentz is going to be running for his life, and I'm, I'm terrified of what the, the Eagles may uh, try to shut down the Lions' pass defense because Eagles' cornerbacks are nothing. Green line – I always like to, I like to get a second opinion. I think it's an educated, there's a couple things I look at, um, you know, when I go to kind of make a bet. And as long as it's not too far off, I don't mind it. But I like the Lions side here as well. So I'm on board. We, I think we got four good games here, Daniel. I'm going to, I'm going to have to make a trip and, and eat the extra half point in the Lions and get some money down on <laughs> as well. Uh, all right, let's go to some DFS as well. Uh, we're going to go position by position and talk about some of our favorite plays. The, the one thing I don't want to do too much on this podcast because there's so much information is going to be on this Kansas City uh, Baltimore game, right? We know what's going to happen in that game. So, of course, you can play Patrick Mahomes, and of course, you can play Lamar Jackson. I want to spend a little bit more time talking about a couple other players that might be a little under the radar today. So, real quick, give me your thoughts on that game. I see it as a shootout. Uh, I believe I saw somewhere that these these home – how specific do you want to get? Home day games in Kansas City – our bait almost always go under in recent history. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. There's only a couple with Patrick Mahomes in there, but what are are your expectations from this game? I mean, anyone who's not expecting a shootout is just being contrary for contrarian's sake. Yes, there's a chance this game comes out and it's 13 to seven, but there's no reason to predict that this, this game should be 40 points either way. And just, just sit back and enjoy the fireworks. The only problem for DFS is that everyone's going to be on it, but it's, you're going to get points out of it. Yeah, let me pull up the ownership here uh, behind the scenes. I actually don't think this game is going to draw as much ownership as I think it should. I was actually toying around before the show today, uh, jamming in 150 just Kansas City, Baltimore uh, game stacks and rotating basically every possible combination around it. Uh, currently right now, we have Lamar Jackson as the highest owned on DraftKings at 13%, but Mahomes is just 7 so this game eating up about 20% of the ownership, I don't think that's too egregious for what should be offensive fireworks. So I think maybe you could have a little bit of edge if you if you really like this game. 
maybe juicing up a, a couple extra, you know, percentage points in ownership. Again, it's early with our projected ownership. So you got to check back later in the week on it, watch a couple of the other shows or podcasts. Um, that's what we have currently in the first run. Uh, you've got a couple other guys as well you wanted to talk about. So let's talk about the the other two obvious names. We've got Dak and Tom Brady, both huge home favorites. Are you worried? Brady's the guy I'm really worried that he just spreads it around too much. It's it's a little bit harder to stack with him. Where Dak this week, he's down Michael Gallup too. This is a concentrated offense and a concentrated offense in a huge total uh, that's all on one side looks pretty juicy as a, as a place to exploit this week. The the only thing I worry about with Dak is if they just decide to make it a running game. But uh, and you know you never know if if they're gonna be one of these teams is gonna get up to such a lead they're gonna pull these guys. But there's no reason not to expect the Cowboys and Patriots to put up 35, 40 points score at will in this game. And sure, you might have to guess at which one to stack with Brady or not stack with him at all, or stack him with two different guys, three different guys, whatever. But there's they both have massive ceilings this week. Yeah, I think they're they're both pretty good plays. I think I would prefer the Mahomes or Lamar Jackson because th- those are the games you really want when uh, uh, other offense can actually provide some resistance and get the offensive fireworks. But I, I could see some serious ways to make a, a Dak Prescott, Zeke, Amari Cooper lineup. Uh, and you just know that's where the production should theoretically be funneled to as long as you don't get another rogue Jason Witten touchdown. Uh, you know, you should get a lot of offense that way. Uh, I'm going to go a little off the board. I want to have a conversation with you about Mr. 4K, and that's Kyle Four. <laughs> that's Kyle 4K Allen. I- I'm talking about here. It looks like Cam Newton, his ankle is hurting him this week. And normally we get these 52 or 53 hundred dollar quarterbacks on DraftKings, and they're trash. And you, you can somewhat contemplate playing trash, low five thousand dollar quarterbacks. We have a minimum price four thousand dollar quarterback on DraftKings this week, and Kyle Allen, you know, he showed out last year, week 17. Now he's playing against the the Saints scrubs backups in week 17. But, I mean, Daniel, the Arizona defense can't be much better than a bunch of scrubs from the, the Saints backups, right? And when you play Arizona, you just – you get so many more plays. The You know Arizona is going to be passing the ball, and I think Arizona is going to be able to put up points. I, I'm debating playing Kyle Allen in, in, in cash games, and I think you can even – you know, stack him with a couple of his targets too, and have a reasonable expectation of it this week. Yeah, it's it's it's. I would I'm going to have a few lineups with him regardless, just for the the cheapness. Uh, I think he could help Curtis Samuel. I think Greg Olson has been a monster so far this year, and the Cardinals have allowed 75 more yards to tight ends than any other team through two weeks. I, I think there's a lot of stacking options here. I think he has he has a huge a huge ceiling for the price. So I'm I'm not going to escape this week without a few lineups just for fun there. He had a 73.8 grade uh, in week 17 last year. And uh, so far this year on those team grades uh, from the premium stats on pro football focus, Arizona ranks 22nd in pass coverage and 17th in pass rush grade as a defense. Nothing to be too worried about. So keep an eye on this Cam Newton injury. To me, it seems like Cam Newton's going to be out. And to get these 4K quarterbacks who have the ability, right? He, He ran in for a thought. He has some running ability too. As a 4K quarterback, these are game changers for DFS. And let me tell you, those lineups look really good on DraftKings with him compared to trying to fit in Patrick Mahomes. Um, a couple, I, I got a low-owned quarterback for you, Daniel, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, last week, it was the running game from San Francisco that took it over. But I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo this week. He's, he's at home. The Steelers, 27th in team pass coverage grade, 
30th in pass DVOA, and their run defense has been lights out to start the season. And I got to think Kyle Shanahan, he's smart enough to not bash his head into a brick wall and try to run the ball against Pittsburgh over and over again. So you got some pretty clear stacking options with Jimmy G. You got Kittle. You got Debo looking like he's he might start a breakout. Uh, you can run it back with some people from Pittsburgh as well. I think Pittsburgh's going to handle themselves pretty well with Mason Rudolph. Jimmy G, he's a little higher priced than most, but what that's doing, he's got 2% ownership this week, and uh, I like him to, to run some stacks with him today. So you got any thoughts on Jimmy G? Uh, I will say I, you're going to spoil one of my wide receivers to talk about later, but I like Jimmy G stacking with Richie James Jr. this week. Oh. Uh, he's Yeah, he, he's – Play, he's run more routes out of the slot for San Francisco than any other any other player by almost double. Uh, and Pittsburgh has been garbage against the slot. We'll see if Micah Fitzpatrick can fix that right away. I think it may take him a while. But they have allowed the most receptions to the slot, the most touchdowns to the slot, the most yards to the slot, the second highest passer rating to the slot. And if Richie James Jr. stays out of the slot or, you know, George Kittle obviously there too, I think one of those two could have a monster game paired with Jimmy G. Yeah, and you want to talk about Mason Rudolph as a value play too here. So, like, if Rudolph isn't – he he can't be as bad as Ben. Ben was playing with a bad arm, right? So, like, the, the Pittsburgh offense, it's not as bad as it was through the six quarters that Ben played. Ben was playing hurt. He's gone now. Rudolph came in and showed out. They've been grooming him to take over for Ben. There's a lot There's a lot of good targets on this Pittsburgh offense, and and, and I want to hear your spiel on Mason Rudolph. If, if Kyle, Kyle Allen wasn't a thing at 4K – I think Mason Rudolph would be a, a fine value play this week. Yeah, he was for coming in as an emergency situation and just coming in to, to replace a guy. He still put up a 65.1 passing grade last week. That's not any amazing game, but it's fine. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. His one interception was entirely Dante Moncrief's fault. And if they ever throw the ball to Dante Moncrief again, I will drive to Pittsburgh and yell at them myself. So <laughs> The, he, this is a, an offense geared to pass. He's got his old college teammate, James Washington, for whatever that's worth. And the answer for that could be nothing, but it could be something. He's got Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got Vance McDonald. I think Mason Rudolph at his price is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I like him. A couple of my – one of my value plays, if you're over on Fantasy Draft, uh, Kyler Murray is $400 above the minimum price of a quarterback over there. He's cheap enough on DraftKings as well. Um, you, you just think about what's going on. So many snaps, pace, pace, pace. Carolina was one of the fastest teams in the league too. They'll probably slow it down if Cam Newton doesn't play a little bit, but I mean, they're going to come out. They're going to air it out. He's got the 300 yard bonus in two consecutive games to start his career. Uh, he should have had some touchdowns. If, uh, if uh, Cliff Kingsbury actually called some, uh, you know, fourth down plays instead of kicking a couple of field goals, I think he really regrets doing that in last week's game. They could have won that game. Uh, I think if he was a little bit more aggressive, but Kyler Murray's looking pretty good. They're, they're throwing the ball all over the place. Carolina's defense they're They're okay. Grades. They're, they're, they're not, you know, top five or anything like that, but it's a decent passing defense, but I just don't care. Kyler Murray. I mean, 300 yards, he's going to get some short fields probably from Kyle Allen's offense stalling out every now and then. Uh, I think Murray is just simply too cheap. And I really, really love his price on fantasy draft. I think he is a, a cash viable quarterback over I, I like him. I would like to see him start running more because that's part of the reason we liked him so much coming into the year. But I do think there's a huge ceiling in this game. Yeah, I don't know if that running's going to come. I mean, it seems he 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 avoids contact at all costs. I would if I was running around. Of like he's, he's the same size as me. If I'm out there, try, 300 pound men are trying to kill me. Terrifying. I, mean, I I wouldn't be running either. So 
uh, yeah, uh, I don't. I mean, I'd, I want to see him run when he's on my fantasy team for a couple of weeks, but I think as long term, he knows he can't sustain too many body blows from those 300 pounders. So I like what they're doing. Uh, I've already checked off the 300 yard bonus. I'm just getting that. So that's what I'm counting as my my rushing yards this week. Uh, a couple other value plays at quarterback. Um, I guess we'll talk about this game real quick. So, so you like Matthew Stafford, but you don't like Carson Wentz. I like Carson Wentz. So let's hash out this game a little bit. Give me the good on Stafford, and then we'll duke it out on Wentz. The Eagles have given playing time to four cornerbacks so far. Sidney Jones has been good. The other three have been garbage. They've combined to allow, I believe it was 130 passer rating and covered, five touchdowns against one interception. You can throw on the Eagles all day long. And now that the, the Lions not only have Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones still around, but they've added Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkinson. The Eagles are not equipped to stop all these, all these offensive weapons. I don't know if the Lions are going to keep their pass happy ways, but Stafford has been a good, quarter, a good fantasy quarterback for two weeks, and I don't see why that wouldn't continue in this game. I know the Lions like to grind it out a little bit, but I think the Eagles are going to be put up points because I, I like Carson Wentz. You, you're a little bit down on Wentz. So I, I think Wentz, I, so he doesn't have Deshaun Jackson and he doesn't have Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, so you plug in Whiteside and you plug in Nelson Aguilar. I don't think, I, I still don't even think it's one of the worst passing uh, duos in the league. You got Ertz is going to get what, 20 targets this week. This is a, a pretty good offense for the Eagles. I think they're still going to be able to put up points against the Lions. I think uh, I think I'm being a little contrary, a little not necessarily contrarian. Wentz just scares me. I don't think he's necessarily going to be bad, but I could see a, a situation where that Lions line just wrecks him early on with the way the Eagles' offensive line has been struggling. And yes, I, I like JJ Arthego Whiteside. I like Nelson Aguilar if he doesn't do the alligator arms like he did last week. But this there's a reason they weren't the starters in this team. So I just think his ceiling is lower than it has been. Do you know who the highest projected own player? on the entire slate is right now? I'm going to say Zach Ertz since we're there, but... Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> he's really... he's 3.6K okay. on DraftKings. He's basically Goodness. free. So, so uh, yeah, if, if the Philadelphia injury holds, I like Aguilar too. I'll talk about a couple of swerves off him in a little bit. Uh, and I, I got one more quarterback I want to talk about, and that's Matt Ryan. I know Indy plays slow, and I know they take away the number one target, right? They don't give up a lot of hundred yard games to number one receivers, but I mean, who he's Julio Jones. I don't, I don't care what you do against Julio Jones. He's going to get open. He's catching touchdowns. Now, Calvin Ridley, the touchdown regression monster was supposed to be coming for him. That's not happening. You've got Austin Hooper, uh, I think is one of the sleeper plays at tight end this week. They, they kind of funneled the tight ends because of course they do try to take that team's number one ride receiver away. And I mean, do you, Freeman looks like he's dust just uh no yards after contact no anything coming from him so uh, I, I like Ryan he's indoors with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Austin Hooper and Sanu's still gonna have a couple of big games if they can put up some big scores that slow offense to the Colts is gonna have to speed it up so I think there's ways Ryan really gets there in tournaments this week I'm not going to argue with you on his ceiling I'm probably not going to be using him this week partly because of that that pace I just don't think there's going to be enough opportunity all right. If you had to pick, uh, you got one more. I mean, everybody knows not to take quarterbacks against Denver, but uh, what do you see? No, no Aaron Rodgers, right? It's it's just he's there's been nothing to him so far. Two games he hasn't topped 210 passing yards. He's done no rushing, and yes, it's against Denver. So I, I still love Aaron Rodgers. I think for the season he's still going to be a top 10 quarterback. But 
he's not he's not Aaron Rodgers anymore right what now. What a horrible coach hiring as well. Just like the anti Aaron Rodgers coach over there. It's too. so frustrating. There, imagine him with Kingsbury. Not that that was ever a possibility, but just something like that. Imagine him with a real offensive innovator. Yeah, it just uh, wasted the end of Aaron Rodgers' career. And uh, I know I know Scott always says Aaron Rodgers, he thinks Aaron Rodgers has been done for a couple years based on his tweets, but it really doesn't look too good for him to start the season here. Uh, let's move on to running back. And uh, it's it's tough this week. And unless you go with the Kyle Allen at quarterback, then it, then your lineups look really good. But the, the pricing on the running backs is pretty tight on DraftKings this week. You've got uh, Barkley, Kamar, or Barkley, CMC, and Zeke are all up there out of those three I'm going to throw this to you first which one of those do you think is most likely to have the highest score at the end of the I don't see how you can say anything but Zeke going against Miami he could he could have 100 yards in the first quarter of this game he could have tell me any given quarter he could have 100 yards in that game I think Ezekiel has a monster ceiling I've already talked about how I'm a little down on Saquon Barkley this week so I, I think there's a pretty clear cast system in those three uh, what about CMC? So his workload, I think there's a couple of different ways to, to look about this. You've got the last week when Cam really wasn't doing anything on the short week, he really disappointed for a lot of DFS players. From what I can tell in our projected ownership, uh, he's tied with Nelson Aguilar as the highest owned player on the week here. So I think the early projections are that they lean on him even more. Um, 30 touches. I, you know, he's going to play every snap. That's what Christian McCaffrey does. It's against Arizona who is going to push the pace of play. So there's just, there's more plays for Carolina in theory than I think they've had in any other game. I think Allen's a reasonable enough backup quarterback to not let the offense fall flat on his face. McCaffrey is, I think he's a couple bucks cheaper too. Uh, let's see here. So he's 200 cheaper. Uh, he's 8,700 and Zeke is 8,900. Uh, what's your overall prognosis for CMC? I think that was more of a blip on the radar last week yeah. and, and not uh, anything we should expect moving forward. I, I think he's great. I would have I would have no problem pivoting from Zeke to McCaffrey, but I'm picking one. I'm still going with Elliott. But, yes, McCaffrey, with that pace, that playing time, and that quarterback, I think his ceiling is almost there. Yeah. It, it's almost what Zeke says. Hey, play Kyle Allen. You don't got to choose. You can play both of them. No problem. You play, you play Zeke and CMC pretty easily there. <laughs> That would be a fun lineup. Uh, a couple, couple of value plays. What are you looking at? Well, actually, wait, before we get to that, let's talk. This is what I'm really torn on because you get the Le'Veon Bell you noted here on our sheet here, monster workload. And I agree. He's, he's going to touch the ball probably 20 to 30 times, I think, without question in this game. But, I mean, if you're getting like three yards a touch, is it really worth it? He's probably going to get a lot of those dump offs too from Falk. They really seem to have that connection. It, this is this is a tough one for me to try to grasp for fantasy this week. I, I'm with you. I, I wasn't totally sold on it, but I felt like I needed to mark it down so we could talk about it. But if you're telling me any running back, any you know, you, you give me Garrett Blunt and getting 30 yeah. touches in the game, I would be interested in him. Le, right. Le'Veon Bell, it, all he needs is one or two plays on that. He's already going to get uh, 15 points just on receptions. He's gonna, it's gonna one long run. He's guaranteed to get the 100 yard bonus. I'm fascinated by it. Even in an awful game, it's going to have an awful game script. I think he's a very fascinating play this week. Yeah, he's interesting. I would imagine, let me look at the ownership. He's probably coming in uh, a lot lower. You know, he's 7K on DraftKings. Austin Eckler is doubling him up in ownership. Uh, I think David Johnson, let me see if I can find him. Can't find David Johnson on the screen here. But yeah, uh, Eckler's the the guy who's basically the, he's $200 more than Le'Veon Bell. And it's really tough to, I mean, Austin, I'm really, if Melvin Gordon showed up, 
I don't even think he gets the starting job back. I think this is Eckler's, this is Eckler's offense right now. And the chargers are, they're running pretty good. I know he fumbled and it kind of cost him the game last week, but he's got, he's going up here against the Texans, the second worst run grade defense on PFF this year. Overall, he's game script proof, no matter what he's got 13 targets and 29 rush attempts. He's got 50 yards and 50 yards or 50 yards rushing and receiving. Uh, I believe in both games, he, like he was too cheap last week. I mentioned he was the basically the most egregiously priced uh, star running back. He had another good game. I think his price is, is catching up, but I still think he's a little bit of a value. Uh, really hard for me to see this, see him just not come through yet again. Yeah, they, it's not been the the split between him and Justin Jackson that we thought. Jackson's getting work, but it's definitely Eckler's uh, team. Uh, he he's been better than Melvin Gordon when they were both in the field. You know, efficiency wise, everything was pointing Eckler's way. I, I loved him coming into last year. I did not see this workload coming this year, but if it continues, he's he's going to be a superstar as long as he stays cheap. All right, you want to let's talk about the Bills' run game here. I'm looking up Devin Singletary. We're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, I'm trying to see if he he practiced today do you have any idea on that I, I haven't seen uh spent the evening my daughter's birthday party so I missed any late breaking updates yeah I'm not <laughs> seeing so he did miss practice today it looks like so this is something we're gonna have to keep an eye on because yeah. uh, as far as I can recall last week the 49ers are still running the ball against the Bengals and I don't care if it's Devin Singletary if it's Josh Allen if it's TJ Yeldon or Frank Gore these the Bills offense I think it's gonna be able to do whatever they want. I think this would be one of the best fantasy outputs for the bills all season. And if Singletary's in, I think we can use him. And I honestly think if he's out Frank Gore is going to be the dude. Yeah. And, and that looks pretty juicy His price. They upped it a little bit, but I, I still don't think enough. Yeah. I, if Singletary's in, I'm using Singletary. If he's out, I'm using Frank Gore. And I mean, that's just a lock and load spot. I'm not even going to think twice about it. I could see stacking them with the, with the Buffalo defense and having just mm -hmm. a big old time there. Yeah, I like that uh, quite a bit. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Delvin Cook, PFF's third highest-graded running back this season. Uh, I've got him with 46 opportunities. That's rushes plus targets through two weeks, 70% of the snaps. I know Oakland, they've been decent against the run and an absolutely horrific pass defense, but this is like one of those things you know Minnesota wants to run the ball, and how do you not want to give the ball to Delvin Cook, who's making these explosive plays every week, the only other player in the league doing things like this right now that's really capable has been Saquon. So, I mean, Cook has a way to be overall fantasy one this year. He's at home, big favorite. Those are strong trends for, for running backs. Uh, I think Cook is prices. It's finally caught up a little bit, but I still think he's well worth the price tag this week. If, you, if you're not playing Kyle Allen and you can't afford both Zeke and CMC, I think you can substitute one of those to Cook, and you might not <laughs> even see a drop-off. Yeah. I, one of my biggest regrets of this season so far is that I wrote a piece uh, back early August, late July, where I did a just one versus one, Joe Mixon versus Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. And I came into it thinking I was going to pick Joe Mixon. And when I got to the end, I felt like my argument pointed to Dalvin Cook. But in my head, I was like, no, I still have to pick Joe Mixon. I picked Joe Mixon and I published it. And the next day I was like, that was stupid. I should have picked Dalvin Cook. You got, all the, you got the buttons on the back end. Delete I, it before anyone it felt, finds it. It felt so dishonest. It's like, <laughs> it's always going to be there in black and white that I said Joe Mixon over Dalvin Cook this year and it was so stupid and i feel like a moron oh yeah that does uh i mean mixing just absolutely horrific and cook is knocking the lights out every single one so uh cook is a uh you know it's the, a nice consolation prize if you can't get cmc or zeke into your lineup. 
games this week, in my opinion. A uh, couple of duds. If you want to hit on Saquon one more time, this one's always a little risky going up against Saquon. He he can hit those long home runs. I think he can do it against anybody. So just uh, if you can try to go in just a, a little bit more depth and repeat what you, you found out about the Tampa yeah. Bay defense. Tampa Bay has been lights out against the running back so far. It's only been two weeks. It might not continue. I still think Saquon's a top five or eight running back this week. I'm not all the way out on him, but considering the ceilings we have with the guys we talked about with, with Elliot and with McCaffrey and with Bell and with Eckler and with Cook, I just, I don't see a point in splashing on Barkley when he's, when he's going up against a tough matchup. Yeah. Let's uh, let's transition to running backs or uh, in the wide receivers. And uh, we'll use this to be one of the, the main articles you should read with your PFS subscription every week. It's Scott Barrett's expected fantasy points, the top fantasy usage through week two. And there's one guy leading the way here. It's Keenan Allen. He's 7,000 on Dra- DraftKings. Is like, oh, Keenan Allen, he's this short dot receiver. And, you know, I don't, eh, we don't want to push his price up too high. And I can tell you what, Keenan Allen's going to vie for one of the highest owned receivers of the week at $7,000. You can't pass up, uh, what does he have, 25 targets in the past two weeks. He's getting throws deeper down the field. Uh, and it's just, it's Allen, it's Eckler. Mike Williams will probably be a little bit healthier, but this is a, this is a very concentrated offense. And, and with a really good quarterback, these are almost like surefire fantasy points in my opinion. Yeah, Scott Scott's piece is it's expected fantasy points. So he, he takes every target, every carry, everything you get, figures out over the last ten years what that's been worth on average. So you know this target's been worth two point three points because of the the depth of target and the spot on the field and all that. Allen through two games is almost five points more valuable in his touches than er, opportunities than any other player. He should have been scoring twenty six point two points per game. That kind of usage you don't see. He's gonna. It's not going anywhere. He's still gonna be a massive contributor, and he's going up against Bradley Roby this week, who's been our thirteenth worst graded quarterback over the last two years. And there's everything is shaping up for a massive Allen week three. Yeah, like uh, uh, I'm playing Keenan Allen. My whatever I have to do, I'm playing Keenan Allen in my cash games this week. Uh, we already, of course, Christian McCaffrey. The other guy is uh, this is a receiver. You know, we haven't Larry Fitzgerald hasn't been chalk in a long time in DFS, and. He's going to be this week. He's 5,100 on DraftKings. He's the third highest expected fantasy points per game. And it just goes back to the, the air raid system of this Arizona offense getting a lot of plays. And this is old Larry Fitzgerald getting the ball down the field. Yeah, there's it's you know very base stat, but there are three players with 100 yards in both games, 100 receiving yards, John Ross, Mark Andrews, and Larry Fitzgerald. He's back to where he was. We already talked about the pace in that game. I think there's a monster uh, potential for Fitzgerald in week three. Yeah, so if you guys have access to PFF, this is probably one of your must-read articles of the week. Uh, I like Daniel's, too. Uh, the What Have We Learned, I always like to review a little bit, too. But, uh, yeah, read through this. You'll kind of see who's running hot, who's running cold, and um, you get some of his favorite fantasy points per dollar towards the bottom of it. He gives you some buy lows, some sell highs, all based off expected fan of he wants me to sell Delvin Cook high. Sorry, Scott, that's not happening. I'm a believer. Sell, <laughs> sell Austin Eckler, no chance. That's not happening either. But uh, a lot of good stuff in here from Scott and uh, one of the most uh, premium articles I think you can get from PFF or basically anywhere that's uh, easily translatable into DFS. Yeah, Scott loves to say that that piece is, is the single biggest thing that helps him in DFS every writing it. Yeah. And I tell you, I edit it and read it every week, and it's the same thing. It is massively helpful. Yeah, yeah. so um, let's move to wide receivers. We just talked about Keenan Allen. Uh, a little bit controversial here. You got Mike Evans, who is he the true number one? Let's, let's have a talk here. Is it him or Godwin this week? 
I, I think this is an Evans week. I, you know, you could talk me out of it if he has a bad week this week going forward, but I still think he's the number one in this offense. Uh, his, his his massive A dot, 18 yards down the field, and the Giants have the worst PFF grade against the deep ball, and it's not close. I think they're two points worse than anybody else. It's like a 20.6 uh, coverage grade against the deep ball. So if there's going to be a Mike Evans week, it's got to be this one. A uh, couple, Keenan, Allen, we just talked about that. I know. We already we talked about the Colts defense limiting Julio, but Julio's just uh, 7,300 imaginary DraftKings dollars this week. It seems a little bit too low when your name's Julio Jones. I think your salary should always start with an eight eight thousand imaginary dollars, and when you're 7,300 imaginary dollars, I think Julio's still a little bit too cheap. Uh, another guy I like is uh, Sammy Watkins. 13 targets last week. I mean, it it's going to be really hard, I think, to predict which. Kansas City receiver has the massive week other than probably at least two if not all three of them including Travis Kelsey all go nuts on on basically a regular occurrence every single week I think like is is Patrick Mahomes to me he's already basically like one of the 10 best quarterbacks I think to ever play the game and I, I I think you can argue he's like one like he's just clearly superior at the position compared to anyone we've ever seen so and when you have a quarterback like that they're tossing the ball all over the place this year the running backs are hurt I like Watkins to bounce back big time this week yeah right now Mahomes is a cheat code it's you know he's going to be expensive and he has to be expensive but if you just started every single week with Mahomes and one or two of his pass catchers stacking the lineup it might not work they're going to be weeks where you're not going to win you're never wrong for making that lineup it's always a good, smart play, even if it doesn't work out. He's thrown for 400-plus yards and four touchdowns, and it feels like a letdown based on yeah. like what the he, game is. It's he had four touchdowns in one insane. quarter, and then we got nothing in the second half. It's You were sitting there thinking, you know, drooling over what could be when you'd already gotten four touchdowns from the guy. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. So I like Watkins, and of course you can play Hardman. I think Demarcus Robinson, which one of those two is going to have the big – I don't know. I don't think anybody can really predict that. Just know that uh, if you're if you're playing Mahomes in a tournament, he's expensive, and when your quarterbacks are expensive, you usually got to stack a couple of options with them for it to all be worth it. So um, if you're playing Mahomes, pick pick at least two t- targets, if not three, run it back with one or two guys from the opposite side. Hopefully the game goes bonkers and you ship a million bucks. Um, you've got a couple strange names here on value play. So you've got Devin Smith, Benny Fowler. Benny Fowler and Richie James. So let's give me a, a spiel on all these guys. I'm, we already <laughs> said Nelson Aguilar is going to be really chalky. I think he can go to Whiteside as a little bit of a swerve off that in tournaments. You're getting really far away from that. Guys who are going to be – actually, I think Smith will garner a little ownership this week. But uh, these other guys, these are like 0.5% on guys I think in DFS. Yeah. I already mentioned James in the slot against the Steelers. Um, we, we could see Minka Fitzpatrick have an impact right away, but otherwise I don't see any reason not to like any slot receiver playing against them. Uh, Fowler, a lot of that's going to come down to what receivers can play for the Giants next week, but he had a huge workload in week two. And if, if Shepard and all the other guys are out again, there's no reason to think that won't continue. Meanwhile, Devin Smith, the only knock against Devin Smith in his career has been he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He played, I think, three games in the last three years because mm-hmm. he keeps tearing his ACL. But he's there now. He had a massive week week two. He was good in the preseason. I think he had the third most receiving yards in the preseason. Gallup's out. Uh, if we see Xavier Howard on Amari Cooper, they're going to have to throw to somebody else. So I think Devin Smith's a very interesting cheap play this week. Yeah, and uh, I, I like those guys. Uh, quite a bit the other another cheap guy I'm interested in we talked about Fitz and of course I like Christian Kirk too but the other guy playing nearly every snap uh he's he's 3k on DraftKings it's Demir Bird 
revenge, uh, our favorite thing in DFS, Daniel. <laughs> so we got Demir Bird revenge going here against Carolina. He's 3K. He's got seven targets uh, in, in each game. I really don't see it stopping large 90 plus percent snap share. Uh, I know your power at the mere thought of Demir Bird. The lights have gone off at, at your house. All right, there we go. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> but but uh, he's 3K, and it, it allows you to make – imagine Kyler Murray to Bird to Fitz, and you run it back with, like, Curtis Samuel and Greg Olson, and that all hits. You, have, you now have Zeke and CMC and Julio. Like, all those guys are now in that lineup going off with that. So you can make some really fun lineups with I never saw Demir Bird coming this year. That, that is the most out of nowhere. You could you could have convinced me more that Devin Smith would be relevant again for Demir Bird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this came from, but it's great. I, I agree with you. Yeah, a 3K receiver that's playing 90% of the snaps in the air raid, uh, not something to overlook. So keep that in mind if you're looking for swerves away from Nelson Aguilar. Uh, anyone else you really want to talk about at, at wide receiver? No, I mean, I, I think we need to stay away from the Vikings receivers, but we all know that. Uh, until they show they can they can throw and be productive you're not touching those guys i think we've covered what the main points are all right let's go to tight end uh i'll let you lead off with george kittle who the the DraftKings algorithm is really weird they're like you're tj hawkinson and you go berserk in week one and we decrease your price a hundred dollars and then you're george kittle who has an amazing track record and you're the superstar but you've had a couple of bad games and do you know what george kittle's price is this week take a guess uh, I mean, if I'm setting it, it's going to be in the high sevens, but I bet it's not if you're saying that. It is 5,600 on DraftKings. What is wrong? Really? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so. I hadn't looked at his price. That's insane. <laughs> He's 5,600, and it's really interesting because I don't normally like two tight ends, but Kittle and Ertz, Ertz is just 5,700 too, and I think Ertz is going to get 10 to double-digit targets pretty much in any scenario in this game against Detroit. These are some – really good players whose prices are too low and you can make some really good lineups with both of them, one of them. And, you know, if you're using Kittle and I talked about Garoppolo as a low owned one, you can run it back with some Pittsburgh players and, you know, have a really cheap stack with high upside as well. Yeah. Everything I liked about, this is a weird way to to phrase this. Everything I liked about Richie James, I also like about George Kittle, Um, (laughs) but Kittle's probably probably won't be saying that too much. Yeah, not not the way you expected to phrase that, but uh, Kittle's you know relatively slow first two weeks. That honestly, it wouldn't be that way if he hadn't lost those two touchdowns to penalty. But regardless, it has been on the surface numbers. Is going to keep his ownership low this week. And how often are you going to get a relatively cheap and relatively lightly owned George Kittle in a cake matchup? He's he. This is going to be a big Kittle week. All in. Yeah, uh, I like it quite a bit. Uh, a couple of my favorite guys I mentioned: Ertz, I think at fifty-seven hundred. Um, just the pure targets he should get from Wentz this week make him a almost can't miss player in my opinion uh, and I want to get your opinion on Mark Andrews it seems like there's a $800 price increase cap on tight ends on DraftKings as well I'm guessing this somewhere in their in their system because uh, Mark Andrews was $3,000 week one and he went to $3,800 and then he gets another 28 fantasy points, and he's only $4,600. Not out there every snap, but he's not out there to block. He's out there to run routes and catch touchdowns and do a lot of damage. How, how do you not have a lot of – how do you not have interest in Kittle at 56? And Mark Andrews at 46, 
I think Austin Hooper is a reasonable sleeper at 3,600. You're going to talk about Greg Olson at 3,700. I mean, it, this is like a resurgence year of the, of the tight end, I think. Yeah. I, I actually, that was one of my bold, bold calls this year was that I think tight end has a bounce back year. Look at you. But Hey, I, I had to recover from the mix and cook yeah. thing. <laughs> Anything you can take after that. Absolutely. I had, I had to find something to brag about. Uh, but yeah, Andrews, I, I don't think this is going to be, he's not going to be a top three, top four tight end all year, but I think top seven is his floor. So I, maybe he has a bad game because he's not playing every snap, but as long as he's out there, I step back a little bit and just say, I could see myself using uh, a tight end in my flex this week in a lot of lineups because of the way these guys are priced. Yeah, it's strange. I don't usually, I probably won't do it in cash games, but in tournaments, I usually, um, you know, in the lineup builder here on Roto Grinders, I usually make sure I don't have tight ends in my flex. I set the setting at zero. I force none, but I don't think I'm going to force none because I think you can have 20 and 30 fantasy point performances from a, a variety of tight ends. And it's just, you gotta, you gotta always kind of be thinking about DFS. What's, what's the game we're playing this week? Cause the game we're playing this week differs from last week. And we have a lot of historical trends, but you can throw some of those out the winning window when you get uh, sort of really underpriced tight ends with these, the high ceilings, maybe all the, these teams are figuring out, right? You throw it to the middle of the field. That's where the action is in today's NFL. And that's where the tight ends really seem to be thriving quite a bit. Um, give me, give me a spiel on Greg Olson. Give me a couple of duds and we'll get out of here. Uh, Olson has 18 targets through two weeks. I did not expect that. And he's only the 14th tight end in pricing right now. He's, he's way cheaper than he should be. I know we've said all these other guys are too, and somebody has to be expensive, but Arizona has not been able to stop any tight end through two weeks. If unless they start doing that, Olson is going to be a big player. Um, all right, and you, Demetrius Harris, you got, you got a little note on it. I don't think you need to go that route today. But what's your what's your take? He's he's just never really looked. He can catch touchdowns, but other than that, I don't really think he's that functional as a tight end. It's right. It's just a, a deep dive. If you somehow end up having to put the position altogether, Joku's and Joku's going to be out this week. Harris is a absolute behemoth. Yeah. So if you're looking for just a touchdown for cheap. All right. I think that's going to about do it for the PFF show. Again, check out all the stuff Daniel writes, his look back every week, along with a lot of other stuff that he does there. Read all Scott's article. You get the fantasy tabs. There's a lot of DFS stuff. If you really want the premium stats or green line, you can pay up and get access to some of that stuff. There's only a couple of sites I use. Um, there's this one. We just had Reeves from Sharp Football on the last show. That's the other one that I use along with all the stuff at Roto Grinders. And that's basically where all my DFS research comes from. So um, PFF, well worth your subscription, Daniel. It's been fun on week three. We'll run it back week four, buddy. And uh, good luck to you and to everybody else out there in DFS. And, and thanks to all you for watching. And, uh, and we out you. Appreciate it.